I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to... Another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, where John Taylor has distracted me in this intro because I noticed it was a cat on his shirt and I did not know what kind of cat it was. So John Taylor up there in... Oh, well, now got me totally misread on. New York City. Mm-hmm. Who's the cat? It's, it's a Maneki Neko. The little, what is that? Uh, the, the little cat you see at Chinese restaurants and such that does a little hand dippy thing. Oh, you have that at your house. I've seen it in the yeah, background. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I got uh, I got some just sitting around mostly. This one's okay. right next to me on my desk. There's an even tinier one sitting in front of it. Mm. Um, I have one. Yeah, I have one. Another one. Uh, uh, you know, the ones you see in restaurants. Yeah, the the arm yeah. actually goes up and down. But yeah, they are uh, they're money cats. They're for good fortune, or so huh. they say. Interesting. Have you always and, been uh, into these? How long have you been into these? No, it's, uh, I've always enjoyed them. I think they're, mm. you know, I think they're cool looking for the most part, which I understand is a form of cultural appropriation, but I'm also not, it's, I'm, I'm aware of that. So that mm. cancels it out. Um, I mostly, I, I just appreciate that it's just a cool, it's a cool thing that also has, uh, that also theoretically at least can bring fortune upon those who, who like it. So I'm a, I'm a Maneki Neko guy. I can, what can I say? Also the, just saying the word Maneki Neko is fun. Yeah, Maneki Neko. Take take some time to do it for yourself, Maneki Neko. Maneki Neko, John yeah. Taylor. Um, John Taylor, is that your take of the week, or do you have a different take graphs take of the week outside of uh, cultural appropriation? Everything is cultural appropriation. That's really um, true. Yeah. My take of the week is, uh, and and you're you're probably gonna laugh at me, and and I deserve it after spending so much time crapping on on the central division as as an, ex- oh, as no. an entity. I think the Milwaukee Brewers could really do damage in the postseason. Oh wow! Is I, it just they get off the David Stearns uh, front office? Yeah, uh, clearly, clearly he was the problem there, and he needs to go, and that's what's gonna solve everything. Mm-hmm. But 
so I'll, I'll I'll frame it this way. For starters, the the Brewers look very good to win their division right now. They're four games up on the Cubs with about twenty some games left, I think, for each of them. Yeah, we're uh, fifteen to twenty games left for each of them. So not mm. a whole lot of time for Chicago to close that gap um, if they want to win the Central. So Milwaukee already in the advantageous position one of getting to be a home team for what will be the first round. Mm. Second of all, they have the thing that every good postseason team needs and that is three top line starters right from the get-go in Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta who's just gone absolutely turbo mode since the second half started those three guys especially now with Woodruff healthy I don't know that there's another National League team that can really come close to doing what they do rotation wise Hmm. Uh, which is especially important because in this year's postseason the way it's set up the way it's scheduled there are enough off days where if you're an NL team, you're really only asking your four starter to start one, maybe two games, basically throughout the course of at least the up until the World Series itself. So for the Brewers, that means they can lean as heavy as they need to on Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, not have to go into the rest of the rotation, which is pretty mediocre. I mean, you don't want to see Wade Miley starting a playoff game. You don't want to see Adrian Hauser starting a playoff game, but they're well well designed to take advantage of a postseason that has more off days than uh than last year's edition there are some other there are other reasons i like the brewers too uh they are arguably the best defensive team in baseball which obviously goes a long way in the postseason they are not going to make mistakes they are going to turn balls and in, in play into outs they do not make errors they're sound pretty much around the diamond uh not really too many of any positions where they're struggling uh defensively they're a great base running team that it does well in both taking the extra base and stealing bases to set opportunities up. They have a very strong bullpen. Obviously, Devin Williams is the big name there. Uh, the Joel Piamps has been terrific for them as part of the trade they made, the, as part of the getting involved in that three-way Sean Murphy trade. The the guy I think people especially that are going to want to pay attention to coming out of that bullpen, obviously depending how far the Brewers go, Abner Uribe, who has one, an awesome name, and two, a 100-mile-an-hour sinker, that dude is going to be asked to get high leverage outs in the postseason. I think he's going to be up to the task between Devin Williams, Piamps, and Uribe. That's three really good relievers the Brewers can throw out with very hard stuff. They have a good lefty in Hobie Milner. They have uh, useful middle middle innings guys in Trevor McGill and uh, old friend Bryce Wilson, who seems to have found something in relief mm-hmm. uh, for the Brewers. They have... Uh, you know, they have a, an experienced manager in Craig Council who's done this a million times before. I got to acknowledge the one reason, if any, that you're not going to, a lot of people are not going to be picking Milwaukee to do much of anything is the fact that their lineup is bad. There's just mm. no real way around that one. You look at the leader, or at least their production since the start of August, it's really just four, five guys, arguably, who've been, who've been carrying the weight. Mark Canha, Tyrone Taylor, uh, William Contreras, Willie Adamas, and Sal Freilich. Those are the only four guys, or sorry, five guys in that lineup right now who have had a WRC plus above 98 since the start of August. Everyone else, and granted, Andrew Monasterio at 89, not terribly far behind, but that's still, you know, 11% worse than average or so. The big issue there is Christian Yelich, who has hit 225, 331, 295 since the start of, since the start of August. Obviously, it's going to be really hard for the Brewers to do much of anything if Yelich just is not performing, Mm. but... It's, you know, at the very least, they have pieces of that lineup that are working. I think Frelick is really important for them as a guy who has been a good table setter for them at the top of the order against right-handers. 
Uh, Contreras has obviously been a very strong bat for them in the middle. Uh, Adames has come alive since the start of August himself. Uh, 237, 333, 473 slugging percentage. Are there holes on the Brewers? Yeah. Is this a team that, you know, could very easily flop out in the first round? Sure. But I will say also, as the number three seed, they're going to get the worst wild card, which granted last year was the Phillies, and look what they did. But this year is going to be one of the Marlins, Reds, or uh, Diamondbacks, possibly the Giants, but I, you know, we'll see about the Giants. Either way, those are not teams I think you'd necessarily be afraid of. I think you would probably favor Milwaukee in all of those matchups. I think the only one you're maybe feeling a bit worried about if you're the Brewers is Cincinnati because that is a better offense. It's a bad pitching staff, but at the same time, Milwaukee's offense, not a not a great one. But again, all you got to do is win two games out of three if you're the Brewers, and you're going to have the advantage on the mound in every one of those games, particularly if it's Miami. They don't have Sandy Alcantara anymore, and that offense is just as bad. Arizona, once they get past Zach Gallen, I mean, I'll take Brandon Woodruff over Merrill Kelly pretty much mm. any time. Uh, if it's the Giants, you know, Logan Webb is a fantastic starter, but again, you're they're they're countering every ace because they have two more to deploy right after. There really is not another wild card team that can that can say that. Um, obviously, I think the most fun playoff matchup would be Milwaukee against the Cubs, but um, I think the Cubs would have to fall a little bit for that to happen. Regardless, mm-hmm. I do like the Brewers as a team where if you're thinking to yourself, you know, if you want against the go against the NL orthodoxy that is the Braves and the Dodgers, look at Milwaukee. They are really well set up for postseason success. All they need to do is scrape together just enough offense to get by. I think that's possible. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I'm not going to make them my NLCS pick or mm. my or my NL pennant pick or my World Series pick or anything like that. But I do think that if you want to see or if you want to find the NL team beyond uh, Atlanta and Los Angeles and that next tier that can really contend, I think I like Milwaukee to do it probably about the same level as I like the Phillies there. Interesting. I... I think they're just going to it just depends so much on matchups too. Like the Brewers are yeah. the Brewers are going to be matchup dependent I think in a lot of ways and it also wouldn't surprise me if they I it would surprise me if they made the World Series. I don't think they have a World Series roster, but if they made the NLCS that wouldn't shock me. Um but it also wouldn't shock me if they got bounced in round 1. They just No, always, uh, any outcome is possible here and and this again, this is a Brewers team where because of that Do you think World Series is offense, possible? Like do you A lot has to break right. Um yeah. Like a lot, a lot has to break right. I think they need something like one or ideally both of Atlanta. Well, I guess if they make it to the second round, they have to face one of Atlanta or the, or the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of which is, is, I think, really a team that that they want to face. But at the same time, they they need the matchups to go their way. They need to get the weakest six seed possible, the weakest one of those teams to make the postseason. Um, ideally, they have one of the Braves or Dodgers get knocked out. Or the whichever the Braves or Dodgers they don't face gets knocked out in round two. Um, I, I think it's possible. Again, it's if you're gonna believe in it, it really does. La- it really does matter to. Or better said, what matters to you is clearly starting pitching and the mm-hmm. fact that we again with Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, they have arguably the best starting trio of. Maybe not. Maybe not just the 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 entire National League. I think probably of any postseason contender. You know, I, I, I don't really know which team right now in either the AL or NL is putting out a better starting uh, starting three for a postseason series than that. I like it, John. I was not expecting John Taylor going Brewers here. It's a deep look. I, like I said, the after months of deriding the NL Central, the, the junior varsity of <laughs> of Major League Baseball. But the thing is, like the, the team also that it's wins funny the... that the AL Central and NL Central are both 
in the same category here where they really they are about the J the JV. How did it work out where the central, the center of America is just not where uh, the big time baseball is happening for the power resides on the coasts in all sports, <laughs> except for college football, apparently, but yeah, where it resides squarely in the South. Um, Hell yeah. Although I guess at this point do the geographic designations of college football mean anything like when in you have South, like yeah. Stanford in the ACC, like that, that that's not even the right coast name for the conference for them. Well, I think I, two I don't, different I'm things are true. Like, this whole there's thing, conference. But... It doesn't matter for conferences. It still matters for talent acquisition. Okay. Like you, well, I guess, you, yeah, no, I guess in the Midwest, at least you were making sure that your offensive line is going to be stacked. You're just getting the yeah. five beefiest boys, mm-hmm. uh, this side of the Mississippi, whichever side your state happens to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I, 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 you have to accept the, the, the reality that whoever wins the NL Central gets an automatic three seed, gets that home field advantage, and gets to play the weakest wild card. That is a val- that is valuable in a sense. Mm. You know, it is a better starting position than say the Cubs are going to have by having to be. Well, I guess they're they're also going to play in the first round, but they may not have home field advantage. So. Which is also a thing I think is, you know, is your question of how much home field advantage matters. Um, I don't know that it's like a huge thing for Milwaukee. It's not like the Brewers Park really confers any special advantage on them. But at the same time, it does matter. You get two guaranteed games at home, um, no matter what happens. That is worth something. You only have to travel if you lose one, you know. So, again, the Brewers are not going to be a favorite pick of mine going into the postseason. But they're a team, I think, when you look at the way the postseason is going to shake out, depending on who's going to make it. That's a team that might have some some sneaky dark horse ability to get at very least to the NLCS and maybe even beyond if all the chips fall in their favor. I like it. Uh, John, the yes. Yankees, they sure. fixed everything. They're they're better now. They're good. They're good. They're going to go and they're like, what can we do to get fan spirits up? Who did they love over the last 10 years? What was a who was a guy that really got the people going that they could count on? They bought jerseys. They really, really uh, just loved him being a part of uh, their team. And that was Masahiro Tanaka. Yes. John Taylor. He was a big, big hit. And he was also great. He worked out. Big international signing. Uh, probably you wish it was longer, I think, if you're a Yankees fan. But still, by and large, it was really good for a solid amount of time uh, for the Yankees. Uh, and now they're going to go and maybe just get a 25-year-old Yamamoto seven years 155 more sure. like i mean they're, they're gonna have to spend more i think the bidding for yamamoto is gonna get up to 200 million do you minimum look i mean the, the reality of the situation is he is going to be the best pitcher on the free agent market by a mile now that otani is not available any longer your other option there is blake snell who is older and has just less ceiling left just by virtue of the fact that he is older i mean that's mm. nothing against blake snell who's probably going to win the nl cy young um, who is a great pitcher who's going to make a lot of money this offseason. But Yamamoto is 25 and Blake Snell is. He's got to be 30. 30. He's 30 oh. years old. Nice. Good, good work. Good work there. There you go. Um, to say nothing of the fact that Snell is going to cost a draft pick because the Padres are almost certainly going to offer him, the, make him the qualifying offer, which he is almost certainly going to reject. Mm. Yamamoto will only cost money. So I think that alone is going to put him at the top of pretty much every contender's uh, free agent shopping list. Hmm. So, I mean, with that in mind, like, I, I don't see why, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think it's pretty easy he was going to be in him. The, the Yankees obviously have already made it clear that they're going to be in on him. Yeah. I think the Mets are an obvious contender, given the way Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen has nothing but money. And I think 
certainly the way forward for him, given that that team is not really on the verge of producing any kind of young, good pitching talent for the front of a rotation. I think Yamamoto immediately solves that problem for them. Uh, I can see the Mariners, obviously, the Dodgers, any of the West Coast teams that that have money to spend, I can see them being in on, on Yamamoto again, because for the West Coast teams, the initial draw, and, st- and the, the still will be a draw, was Otani. Mm. But given the Tommy John surgery that's inevitably in his future, given the fact that he's blown out twice now, and given the fact that he is a DH-only bat, his, pos- his value in that regard has really gone down. You know, he mm. is still arguably one of the five best hitters in baseball, you know, and, and is beyond that a great base runner, you know, brings a lot of value with that, but he offers no defensive value. He obviously his pitching future is in doubt. I have to imagine there, ha- there have to be a handful of teams who are thinking, you know, the money, the contract we were going to offer, offer Otani. Why do we just split it in two? Essentially, we offer him mm. the hitter side of the deal. And then we turn to Yamamoto and give him the money we would have given. We would have given Otani to, as the pitcher. So I think for any team that was looking at Otani as a pitcher, I expect them to be heavily in on Yamamoto. I, I just, any real contender really should be in on him. There's no reason that, I mean, all 30 teams should be in on him. He's a 25-year-old starter who's the best pitcher in Japan and is, you know, just through a, a second no-hitter. He, he's phenomenal. He throws 100 miles an hour. It's, you know, I, I just can't imagine that $155 million is going to get that done. When Tanaka came over, it's also worth noting that Masahiro Tanaka, when he came over to the United States, was less of a known quantity, mm. was older than than Yamamoto was. Tanaka was uh, actually no, he was the same age. He was twenty five when he when he began his career with. Oh, I would have guessed like twenty eight. Yeah, it's it's actually mm. kind of surprising. I thought he was a little bit older than that, but at the same yeah. time, you know, less of a known quantity, less impressive on a statistical level. Um, you know, certainly a phenomenal pitcher in Japan in his own regard, but. I do think Yamamoto moves the needle a little higher. So mm. I expect everyone, every contender should be in on him. I don't see, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Yeah. And I'm, would you put the Yankees at the favorite? I know if only because if only because they already have two gigantic pitcher contracts on the books and Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon, I'm sure they will be in on Yamamoto, but I do wonder what the appetite is for a third nine figure deal for a pitcher. Um, given, again, how easily pitchers break. I mean, you can make the argument that, yeah, okay, but this kid's 25, and he's if everything works out, he's leading a rotation for a decade. Mm. But, you know, I, I probably would have to give the edge to a team that is just going to be able to offer whatever money it feels like, which in my mind feels like either the Mets or a team like the Mariners or, say... It'd be very funny if the Angels went after him and he signed there. I, I might actually bash my head to a pulp against a wall, mm-hmm. but... A team like the Mariners would make a lot of sense because they, I mean, granted they don't spend, but you can make the argument that, you know, what else are they going to do with that money? I think they're going to be in on Otani for sure. I imagine they'll be in on Yamamoto as well. I I don't know if the same West Coast uh, preference applies to Yamamoto as it did to Otani with regards to where he wants to be. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine you'll also see teams like Boston and Chicago get in the mix. Uh, The Cubs, that is, not the White Sox, obviously. Um I could easily see, you know, maybe maybe a team like Texas has decided it still wants to spend more money, and this is the way to go to add to the giant pile of pitchers they already have down there. Uh, maybe it's a team like San Francisco, which you know obviously went in very hard for Aaron Judge last year, has has that money I think still burning a hole in their pocket. They gave Logan Webb an extension, but there's certainly plenty more where that came from. I would imagine though that it is going to dovetail with Otani in terms of whoever lands Otani. Uh, whoever does, whoever comes 
I think either second or third for Otani, probably jumps to the pile, the favorite pile for Yamamoto, and I think vice versa. Whoever, whichever one of those guys signs first, the team that's runner-up, I think becomes the favorite to sign the other, just mm. because I don't really know where else that money is going to go. I think the other question is, you know, how many of these teams would rather take the known quantity in Snell than the total unknown in Yamamoto? I can't say, you know, I don't have any inside information by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, but like I said, I think there will be enough bidding and enough interest from enough big pocket teams. And I, I know I mentioned the Dodgers. I'd be very curious to see which way they go. I wouldn't honestly be surprised if they were interested in Yamamoto as kind of their post-Kershaw bridge to the future, given uh, Walker Bueller coming off Tommy John surgery. I know they have a lot of really good young pitching right now. Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Ryan Pepio, uh, you know, Lance, uh, La- uh, Landon Knack further, you know, still in the minors. A lot of really hard throwing arms. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see them decide, hey, what we need is just more of that. And let's just mm. get more of it because we're the Dodgers and we can afford it. So we shall see. But I, I think there'll be enough bidding to get his price tag comfortably above Tanaka's. Yeah, I'm. the Yankees are going to have one of the more interesting off-seasons together. I mean, they're going to finish last. And I just, I'm very curious to see what ultimately happens and how they approach it. Because I don't think they're going to approach a... Especially if Brian Cashman remains in power, like what are you gonna do? Do a full teardown? No, they're gonna they're gonna just make some minor tweaks and I think spend more money. I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure for uh, the Steinbrenners to spend and calm this fan base down a little bit. So I'm gonna guess that they they go the other way um, than a lot of other people are thinking. I mean, I I can see it. I just I, I kind of have a hard time seeing the Yankees being the ones to say fuck it. Let's just let's just do it and be legends. Mm-hmm. But. We'll see. I mean, I, there's certainly no reason they can't. And I think you're right that I think or I think you're right that fa- the fan base in particular is going to be very loud this offseason about something needs to happen. You know, I, I and this is even getting into the fact that this season for Yankees fans has just been just one continuous nut shot after the other. I mean, Jason Dominguez tearing his UCL the other day is just one of those things where you're like this I, I i you know and granted like you said things have gotten better and now they're going to go to the playoffs and win the world series whatever but this has been arguably the worst yankee season in like 30 years mm-hmm. you know yankees fans have not seen a season like this in a long time and i think you know i i don't know how much at this point cashman and the steinbrenner family really care mm-hmm. about that kind of public opinion it seems like for the last few years that has not been their guiding concern but you do have to wonder it's like you know it's one thing to have to be able to wave the public way when you're like, yeah, but we won the division and we made it to the ALCS. And sometimes you just run into a better team or a hotter team. And that's what happens. It's another thing to say, yeah, we finished last. We finished dead damn last. And we were not competitive for like half the season. And our lineup is butt and our pitching staff is full of losers. Like, but we're not going to do anything about that. Cause screw you. Also ticket prices are going up. Like if anything else, it'll be an interesting a field study to see just how much Yankees fans can tolerate in that direction. Because again, they've not had to go through this in a while. This isn't like, you know, th- this isn't like uh, Orioles fans who just got used to the losing, you know, or, or this isn't mm-hmm. A's fans who have nothing to be, you know, to, to celebrate or be happy about. This isn't even necessarily Cubs fans who have that recent success. And even amid, you know, even afterward to have to have gone down, now get another contending team to a certain degree. It's like, there's just nothing really about this Yankee season that you can hang your hat on for next year. With the, with the exception that Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole hopefully finish the season healthy. You know, that's pretty much it. They, there's not even the, the chase for 62 or whatever nons, whatever contrived nonsense the Aaron Judge home run chase was, you know? There is nothing about this Yankee season that any Yankees fan is going to remember with anything approaching positivity. So by that virtue, at least, they have to do something. 
And and I think Yamamoto is probably the most, I, I think that's the other thing too, of the free agents available, I think Yamamoto is far and away the most likely the tar- top target for them. I don't really see, they're not, I don't think they're going to be in on Otani and I don't think he wants to be there anyway. Uh, Snell doesn't really make sense uh, as a guy, you know, given that they already have Rodon and Cole, I don't see them spending on yet another uh, over 30 pitcher. I think if they're going to go after anyone, it's going to be Yamamoto. And I can and I can see that too, where they say, we're getting this guy. That's it. That's our off season. But hey, what an off season. We got the guy, you know? We got him. We got him. We, uh, we got him. Uh, speaking of, speaking of uh, folks that might be saying that in a couple months, we got him. We got him. Mike Trout. Oh boy. If he's open I've, to let, being let traded. The, let the record show. I've already said that there's going to be a Mike Trout to the Phillies trade. Uh, not on this podcast. I've just said it elsewhere. It's going to be Bryson Stott and like two A-ball relievers for Mike <laughs> Trout. I'm just calling it now because that's how the universe needs to work. We need Mike Trout, South Jersey native, no. Philly super fan, uh, Wawa opinion haver, no. gas station sandwich lover in Philadelphia. Can't do it. We need it. I don't want more competition in this division, John. Look, I, mean, I don't want I don't want Bryce and Trout on the same team. I I understand that, but my my counterpoint to that is I want Mike Trout in a postseason game. I just want it already. Enough, enough of this. Look, I don't have any real sympathy left for the Angels at this point. They mm-hmm. wasted the prime of the greatest player I'll ever see. They wasted the, the the other greatest player I'll ever see. They're just a completely unserious franchise, top to bottom. Major League Baseball was far better off when they existed at a Padres level of both ineptitude and, and, and anonymity where you just didn't have to pay attention to them. You didn't mm. have to care about the Angels. Once every 20 years, the Angels would be good and you'd be like, oh, hey, that's weird. I guess that's cool, though, and I like the little Halo logo. But you didn't have to care otherwise. It was just one perpetual, like, okay, oh, cool, Kelby Mescobar, that's nice. Oh, hey, Bartolo Colon won a Cy Young, cool. Wait, why is Vlad Sr. here? Um... It, we don't need them to matter anymore. Society and baseball have evolved beyond the need for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They're enough already. I, 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 I want their. I want Trout to be free, and I understand he's the reason he's there in the first place. He signed that big contract. He decided that nope, this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I want to be happy. This is where I'm happy. This is where I want to be. I can't imagine he still feels that way anymore. Hmm. I mean, I, I can't imagine that any. If you're Mike Trout, you watched the way this season fell apart. You know, you know in your heart, Shohei Otani's not coming back. This team's farm system is just incapable of producing talent. Uh, the roster around him, it just will does not improve. Continues to get worse. Even when the Angels actively try, they somehow make things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going to be in the shadow of the Dodgers, which I don't think that Trout necessarily minds. But you're, you're never going to be the team that anyone pays attention to or cares about. And you're in a division with uh, an Astros team that won't die. A Rangers team that is clearly willing to spend whatever money necessary to be relevant. A Mariners team that, at the very least, has baseline competence. Like, you're just hanging out in the exclusion zone with the A's. No one ever cares. And and also, if you're Trout, you know that the meddling moron owner was was given a golden opportunity to take $5 billion and fuck off forever, just turned it flat down and was like, no, I'd like to stay here and keep making stupid decisions. Mm. Like... You just watched five of your teammates get sold off for basically zero dollars for nothing at all in exchange, simply so Artie Moreno didn't have to pay more luxury tax. 
You know, it's like, what is the point of sticking around there? If I were him, I'd be telling my agent, get me the hell out of here already. I can understand wanting to stick around for Otani to see if he could make it work. But at this point, what is the appeal of coming back? To see if Anthony Rendon can play 70 games this year instead of 60? Like, to, to, to see if Reed Detmers, Reed Detmers can get his ERA under four? Like, I don't understand, like, what, if any, the appeal would be for Mike Trout to continue in, in Anaheim. I think the, the the interesting part of that is if he does ask for the trade, and this is why I said, like, I think it's, you know, someone listening to this might be like, Bryson Stott and two A-ball relievers, that's all that the second coming of Mickey Mantle gets? Yeah, he's 31 and he hasn't played a full healthy season in, like, five years. Yeah. This is not Mike Trout all capital letters anymore. Well, this you also is, know that this contract's going to be awful at the end of this. Like, I mean, getting, every yeah. every contract is awful at the end of it, but that's the other thing. It's like the Angels are probably going to have to eat money to move Trout, which is an insane mm. thing to think about. But otherwise, they're probably not going to get much in exchange because, I mean, y- y- you pull up the contract he still has left, and it- it's just it- it's enormous, and it's for a guy who at this point is playing like 85 games a year. You know, It, it has to be concerning for anyone going forward. Here's what we still got left. $35.5 million every single year from here until 2030. That's $250 million still left on Mike Trout's contract. That's a lot of money. And I, I don't want it to, like, it's Mike Trout money shouldn't matter at a certain point, but it is going to matter to the team that acquires him. No team is just going to say, yeah, we'll pay $250 million for Mike Trout's 30s. That's a great idea. Not mm. unless it's heavily subsidized. And that means either... The Angels have to eat a lot of contract to get anything good in return, or they take a lesser return in exchange for the in exchange for eating only a small amount of contract. I don't know which Artie Moreno prefers, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter, but that's why I can see a team like the Phillies, particularly a guy like Dave Dombrowski, who can say, look, eat as much salary as you can. We'll just give you young guys, because it doesn't matter. This team is built to win right now. And I think that's the other thing about a trout trade. He has to go to a team that is built to win right at this moment. I could see it working on the Dodgers. I could see it working on the Braves. I could see it working on, you know, whatever, the teams that are built to win in the long term, too. But I do think that those teams are far less likely to give up really anything approaching a valuable, productive, young piece as opposed to a Phillies team. And I, I'm just going to stick with the Phillies for now because I really haven't thought any further about any other teams beyond that. And sure, you and I could spitball some other ones. But oh, I already know who it is, by the way. It's okay, the Giants. Well, oh, that's a, that's another, I think, good one. But I, I do think that the Giants don't have. And I think what I will say for the Phillies is the deciding factor here is Dombrowski, a mm. guy who has shown no hesitation in the past to give up young players in exchange for getting guys who help him right now. And yeah. not just help right now, but are decidedly above average right now. I mean, you you have to look, consider this with the consider this with the Phillies roster uh, if you're going to look at it, uh, which, well, I'm going to look at it, so you don't have to look at it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, current ages of the most important players in the Phillies lineup right now. JT Realmuto, 32. Trey Turner, 30. Kyle Schwarber, 30. Nick Castellanos, 31. Bryce Harper, 30. Going into the rotation, Zach Wheeler, 33. Aaron Nola, who is a free agent, 30. Uh, Taiwan Walker, well, I guess he's not really important, but 30. Like, I can go on, but this is not a team of uh, a, a just-completed under-30 you know, under team that's, like, starting to, like, make the climb or reaching its, its peak. You know, this is mm. not... Uh, this is not the Orioles for whom I think a trout trade really wouldn't make much of any sense. Oh, let's not even do that. The Orioles yeah, aren't. The, the Orioles aren't going to do that in the first place. But, you, no. you know, and, and it's at the same time, it's not like Trout is really displacing anything major. Brandon Marsh has had a great season for the Phillies, but I would mm-hmm. much rather have Mike Trout than Brandon Marsh, if you ask me. 
And I think a guy like Bryson Stott, who is pretty much a league average hitter and a league average defender, but is 25 years old and is going to be cheap for a long time, that's the kind of guy you feel comfortable letting go of because that's not that hard to replace on the open market slash not that hard to replace in a trade, but is for the Angels because they are categorically incapable of developing that player on their own. Similarly, the Philly system has improved, and I think the other thing with the Angels is you can just throw live arms at them. Mm. And every farm system has enough live arms, even the Phillies, who are not particularly, again, I'll, I'll pull up their farm system now, or at least I'll pull up our farm system rankings. Uh, per our farm system fan graphs rankings, we have Philadelphia 18th overall, which fine, not great. But at the same time, you know, how many other like win now teams can really say the same thing when it comes to we have a farm system that could let us make this trade where it's not going to hurt that much. Or we have young players on the roster where we can make this work. I think the the Giants, I think, are a good example uh, uh, or a good option, I think, too. They have the farm system to make this work. They have the outfield that needs the help. I do worry about Mike Trout in, in Oracle's outfield. That's a lot of ground for him to cover, but regardless. Uh, and I'm just going to keep doing it because, again, if money is the object, then we all know for whom money is absolutely no object. And that's your boy, Steve Cohen. And look, I understand if you trade you for Mike Trout. You don't bring in Stearns unless you're planning on this whole Heim Bloom, we're winning through the middle type of deal. They're, see, they're I, I, I don't in. think that's the case. I think Heim Bloom is win Boston because John Henry no longer wanted to spend. Mm. I think Steve Cohen is still willing to spend. And I think you saw that over the trade deadline because he was willing to pay the freight for Scherzer and Verlander to get better prospects back. Can see, Philly just, fan... Could Mike Trout really do that? Because he remember he has a full no trade clause. He can say no, even that if the is Mets a good point. The, so, like he can say no. And does the Philly fan in him growing up say yes to the Mets and beating really his beloved Phillies? See, I I thought your your issue there was going to be that he'd be blocking your boy Drew Gilbert. I mean that is a, a fair fair issue. <laughs> who's still raking um, in Binghamton, uh, New York? Uh, I mean, I guess if you're the if you're the Mets, you can make the argument that between Gilbert and Luis Angel Acuna, like you're pretty well set. And young outfielder is about to come up. Maybe Trout's yeah. not the best use of those resources right now. But again, and it's good that you mentioned the full no trade clause because that's the other thing you got to consider. The Angels don't really have the power to send Trout somewhere like Kansas City if yeah. Kansas City happens to be the team that offers the best prospect package because Trout in no way, shape, or form is going to do that. Yeah, none of that's All, happening. Yeah. If he's if he's asking for a trade, it's because he wants to go to a right now contender. And if you look at the right now contenders who fit what you fit what uh who fit the model of a team that is ready to win now and that has young pieces it can it can afford to deal away. I think Baltimore is there, but I think you're right that Baltimore is not going to do that, barring some, barring the Angels eating pretty much every last dollar. I would love to see AJ Preller try to make this happen, and I think he will call Artie Moreno somewhere in the neighborhood of seven thousand times over the winter mm. to try to make that happen. But I, I don't really see how fit San Diego has so many roster construction and payroll problems that I don't. You're missing an like. obvious, John. Where did Perry, the GM of the Los Angeles Angels, work under before? Uh, moving on to the Angels. Uh, I think a team, one of the teams down in the South. Uh, yes. The Atlanta think, Braves. Do you know what the okay. Braves are currently paying Ronald Acuna Jr. to be the best player in the NL? Like $25 a year. It makes me so angry. 25 He might get 27 next year. He He's looking at a raise, man. Look, you win the NL MVP. I think that's at least worth like a, th- a 3% bump in your pay. Just throw Mike Trout in. Eddie Rosario, you're out of here. We're going with Michael Harris, Mike Trout, and Ronald Acuna Jr., Sure. Why not? I mean, I think the, the Braves good will news, never do it, by the way, folks. Yeah, Braves, no, I mean, that's they're I not think, committing to that kind of deal. I think teams that have that kind of long term cheap core, the Braves, the Orioles, uh, I think, you know, the Dodgers to a certain degree. The Dodgers think, would just be I, that's just so cynical. I hate that so much. And it's not because they're just the permanent 
Braves rival, but that just sucks. But I think those teams... I don't want it. Boring. I think a a team like the Dodgers would also be more willing to give that money to Otani, even if he is just a DH, because Otani is still only 26 years old or so, you know? They're buying... If you're going to give a ton of money to someone, you might as well give it to the guy who has a shit ton of of ceiling still left, as opposed to the guy where you're getting the decline years. Which, granted, it's Mike Trout, so the decline years are still pretty good, but... That's why I think it's the Giants to me. I will also say... Or, no, go ahead. I, I want to hear your Giants. Your, your Giants. Rationale. They're right there. They got screwed by Carlos Correa and everything mm-hmm. this past. They're just trying. Like the the Giants are. I think for your fan base, he gets to stay on the West Coast. San Francisco is a fun top five, top seven fan base. He gets to. They're gonna. They're okay paying their vets and just letting them ride out into the sunset. They treat their vets really well in San Francisco. I think that would be the best for all parties because I think it makes the NL West more interesting. I think it makes the NL as a whole more interesting. I think he can kind of just, he doesn't have as much pressure on him over there, but he still gets to play playoff baseball. I would like, I mean, obviously the Barry Bond stuff, like you have some premier uh, outfielders. I mean, who could forget Pat Burrell? Uh, you have that. You have um, Aaron Rowand. You Melky have, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Melky Cabrera, I feel like was it's uh, a, a It's a point. storied history. It's the big yes. footsteps. He'd be Jose he'd Guillen. Be Yes. Yeah. Just uh, guys, the other dudes Luis everywhere. Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, let but, me throw in. Let yeah. me throw in another. Uh, Reggie a, Sanders, I, maybe. I think a dark horse, but another team that uh, has the youth, the young players to make it happen, and that should uh, have the interest in making it happen. It's the most cursed thought I've ever had. St. Louis Cardinals starting center fielder oh. Mike Trout. Oh. I know. Look, I I hate oh. myself too. It's it, it's not a good. He feeling. feels like a Midwestern guy, by the way. He oh, actually yeah, looks. He's, he's just such a polite young man. Yeah, he's um, look at that JD Drew guy over here. What? Uh, oh goodness. I mean, look, I, I I could pick a lot of teams that I think this would make sense. I just think again, I think he either stays on the West Coast where he's like, I've been here for a long time. So if I request a tra- if I okay a no trade clause, I'm staying on the West Coast to not disrupt my family, or I'm going back to the Phillies. Like and that's why my choices. that's why I like the Phillies ultimately in this is because. If the heart is really what is guiding Mike Trout to a certain degree, and mm. the Phillies are, you know, and of course the Phillies would be interested if Trout does become available, I think he'd be. I think that's the team he'd be most willing to go to. It's mm. home, you know. He, he, I can only imagine how hard his, uh, like Bryce Harper would be like, come win a World Series at home, mm. join me, like join forces with me. Um, you know, very much a Vader and Luke moment. Although I, I'm not really sure who's Vader and who's Luke um also who's i guess yeah who's father and who's son doesn't matter you know it's the storylines are all right there of course he gets to go home he gets to be comfortable he gets to play the rest of his career in the city he loves you know if he wins a championship in philly he is a god there forever you know forever 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 like who who cares that they won a championship semi recently or whenever was the phillies won a title i don't even remember 2008 was that the last phillies title yes Um, you know, that, that's, that's now far enough in the past where you can be like, you can become a God anew. There's no one left from that Phillies team, obviously still in the majors, you know, Mm. this isn't, this isn't even a mercenary thing of like, you know, this isn't joining, uh, this isn't joining the Warriors fresh off them winning 70 billion games or whatever. This is come home and make, help us take the next step. Help us beat the Braves. Help us beat the Dodgers. Help us do this, you know? You get to be in the limelight, but also he doesn't have to be fully in the limelight because that lineup will just be, he doesn't have to be the star of that lineup either. There's already Harper. There's already Turner. There's already Real Muto. There's already, you know, if you're the Phillies, 
I can think of way worse ways to spend that money. You know, they're going to need to pick up a starter if they don't re-sign Aaron Nolan. Honestly, even if they do re-sign Aaron Nolan, I think they should pick up another starter anyway. But assuming they don't re-sign Nola, what better use of that money is there? They're not going to get Otani. I imagine they'll be in on Yamamoto, but I also imagine there'll be other teams that can beat whatever they can offer. You know, the rest of the free agent market doesn't really have a whole lot left to offer. You know, particularly when it comes to the, the problems that the Phillies have, uh, or the potential problems the Phillies have, especially, say, at third base or at second base if they do want to upgrade on Boehm or Stott, you know. I think, you know, if, it do, if Trout does become available, I think the Phillies should be the favorite. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Bangraft.com this week? So, again, as we push on toward the postseason, uh, we're just looking toward end-of-the-year stuff in particular, looking at the Cy Young races. Uh, Zach Buchanan, formerly, formerly of The Athletic, a great writer, has a freelance piece for us on the Manager of the Year, which is one of those awards that nobody ever really thinks about, but at the same time, you know, it does matter, and I'm, I'm just very excited to see what Zach does with that. Again, I, re I really love his work. Uh, we're going to have Ben Clemens writing about the Max Scherzer injury that pretty much... Uh, I don't know if it officially puts Texas's season in the toilet, but boy, mm. the Rangers are, uh, as the kids would say, they are down tremendous right now. Um, is that what the kids say? I, I don't actually know what the kids I, say. Okay, down you're, bad. You're the, you're the you're the you're the younger one. You've got to you got to keep me fresh on what the Zoomers talk about. I'm 32, man. Okay, fine. That's you know I'm 37. Like you're, you've still got you that really? time on me. Yeah. What what did I you think I was? I thought you were like 35, 34. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, yeah. but yeah, as as the kids say, uh down down the baddest down the most bad uh so look for that from ben as to mm -hmm. the impact that will be on texas uh like i said last week you know i know a lot of folks you know they come to fangrass this time of year for the playoff odds so just a reminder those are updated every single morning uh so you can see where your team stands although by this point if you're like a if you're like a pirates fan you should probably know by now you know that's, if you're a brace fan you don't even have to check it because that ticket's been punched john taylor that is true i'm surprised you didn't lead off with this i'm surprised we didn't get any big time braves talk on the i mean kyle, kyle writes back which is weird more like kyle wrong so far oh my god it's right there i can't not do it john taylor always a pleasure I'll <laughs> I, was, I like how that's week. the cutoff point that, that's, that's the cutoff point I, I, that, that that's that was me okay Bye, John. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.